When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Saints for a touchdown! It's your inside pass to everything Saints football. Jimmy Graham brings it down, and that is a touchdown, New Orleans! We'll take you to places most fans never go. To practice, to the sideline, to the locker room, following every twist, turn, and touchdown of the Saints season. That is going to be a touchdown! Taysom Hill! Taysom TD! Welcome to Inside Black and Gold. And that is going to be a touchdown again. And guess who? Mike Thomas. Now, here are your hosts, Steve Geller and Jeff Nowak. Oh, baby! Well, that sucked. And you know what sucks worse? Is I feel like I've started at least four podcasts with exactly that line over the last two years. This is Inside Black and Gold. I'm Jeff Noah coming at you with a yikes, Bucks 26, Saints 9. What is going on with the Saints offense post-game podcast? I was there on the sidelines at the Superdome. You know, and, and I I'm a I'm a reporter by trade, right? I try not to get too emotional about things. I try to be even keeled on the sidelines in general. You know, I'm not out there screaming. I'm not out there jumping around. But golly, today, I mean, I was bent over like, what is happening? And we're going to get into it. It was just rough. You know, this 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 graphic to my left, it says offensive. Not offensive, offensive. Because if you're a Saints fan, you should be offended by the product that has been put on the field the last Mm, five quarters of football in particular. You know, that's not to say the offense has been good over the last year plus. But what we saw today was as inept as it gets. And not just on the offensive side of the ball. And pardon me, I'm going to go through a rant here. And then we'll do kind of the typical three up, three down. I'm actually going to start with a three up this time because it's going to be so short that by the time I'm done with this rant, it'll it'll fit nicely into uh, the last, <laughs> I don't know, 90 seconds of, uh, of this segment. Then we will do a long segment on the three down, which is really going to be, gosh, how, however many down you can, you can think of. It's going to be a lot. And then we'll do a mailbag in the back end of the show. So if you have any questions, comments, if you're watching this on YouTube or Facebook, throw it in the feed wherever you are, and we'll dive into it. But, man, I mean, there's been some low points over the last two seasons with the Saints. And there's been a lot of very reasonable criticism levied at Dennis Allen, levied at Pete Carmichael, levied at the coaching staff. And one of the things that I try to do 
when I am critiquing this team is to not just kind of reflexively go for the low-hanging fruit of, oh, it's the play calling. Oh, it's this. Oh, it's that. I try to look at a bigger picture than that. And and that's one of the reasons, like, I did a podcast where I pointed out that, like, no, the play calling wasn't necessarily the biggest issue for the Saints over the first few weeks of the season. I think they actually had been doing some things that worked. And the reason I do that is because, like, there are issues with this team. And... I think only looking at the play calling and saying the play calling is an issue, fix the play calling, fix the play calling, I think it ignores some of the real issues with this team. And like people think, oh, you're just you're just taking it easy on Pete Carmichael. You're taking it easy on these people. Actually, I think what I'm doing is telling you that I don't think it's as simple as saying get a new play caller and this offense will be just fine. I think there are deeper issues than that. I think there's preparation issues. I think there are schematic issues that go well beyond the play calling. And I think that's what you saw today. Now, let me be clear. I don't think Derek Carr should have been on the field today. I said this multiple times. I said it in the week leading up to the game. I said it this morning on the pregame show. They put Derek Carr on the field. I feel like I am living in a loop because go back to week two of last season. Jameis Winston is dealing with back fractures. You have Andy Dalton. You say, hey, I trust Andy Dalton. I brought him in here because we we brought him in here because we trust him, because he can get the job done. And if we need him, we can put him out there and trust that he can get it done. Well, what happened in week two when you needed a backup to go in there and get it done? You threw your injured quarterback on the field, and he played very much like an injured quarterback. Got hurt worse. Today... What did you do? You put your injured quarterback on the field and he played like an injured quarterback. Did he get hurt worse? I don't think so. That might be the only silver lining from this game for the Saints is I think the pass protection, which has been the biggest issue over the first three weeks, actually improved. I thought Trevor Penning in particular had a solid day. A guy who was a punching bag after week one. Derek Carr wasn't running for his life the whole day. And when he was escaping the pocket, it was in ways that allowed him to do that, right? When you lose, you lose in ways that allow your quarterback space. The Bucs did it all day. So where's the excuse now? Right? Like you had time. It wasn't like the only thing you could do was get the ball out quickly. It didn't work. Something did not click. And I just don't think that Derek was Derek today. You know, he hasn't been great. But the guy we saw out there throwing passes, like Dennis Allen came out. We'll hear a little bit from Dennis Allen. We'll hear a little bit from Derek Carr. Uh, You know, they'll say the shoulder wasn't the issue. We're not going to use the shoulder as an excuse. Literally said that. He should not have been out there. Like, if you're going to tell me that that short arm ball to Chris Olave that should have been a touchdown had nothing to do with the shoulder, that there's three or four passes that just seemed to tick off had nothing to do with the shoulder, I don't believe you. I don't. You took him out of the game. Dennis Allen said he took him out of the game. The reason Jameis Winston went in for that last drive was because the shoulder pain progressed to the point that it, that they felt more comfortable taking him out and letting Jameis run that final drive. So if that's the case, then clearly he threw 37 passes today. <laughs> it's just get out of here. If you're going to tell me you trust Jameis Winston and you brought him in because you feel like you can put him in and win a game, stop lying to me. 
Because that's not the case. Clearly, that's not the case. You put an injured guy out on the field, and he played like an injured quarterback, and that's not even the biggest issue because this offense has already shown that it cannot put up points at a level that you can win games across from anything but the elitist of elite defenses. How many times a year are you going to expect your defense to go out there and pitch a shutout? Right? They did it through three quarters last week. Couldn't get it done then. The defense started okay, but I have a lot of issues with how the defense played today too. There was not a lot to like from this performance, and I think it goes to everybody. Like I don't we can we can point to the offense, we can say yes, they struggled mightily. But you know, we kind of expected that, right? Like if you didn't go into this game expecting an offense to look like the offense we saw, you know, that's on you. And you know what? That's on me because I thought, you know what? The offense we saw in the first half against the Packers, I think they moved the ball. They looked effective. They got in the end zone. They had a long drive late in the first half. Okay. Where was that offense today? I didn't see it. Um, And, you know, so like when you're regressing throughout a season and and, and, and keep in mind, you're going against a Bucs team that did not have multiple players. Ryan Neal, their starting safety, went out on the opening play of the game. They didn't have Carlton Davis, Vita Vea, Devin White. I'm sorry, they did have Carlton Davis, but he's playing with an injury. They didn't have Jamel Dean, Devin White, Carlton Davis, Vita Vea, all playing hurt. Derek Carr threw the ball 37 times. He got 127 total yards. 13 of those passes went to Alvin Kamara, which one of the things I appreciated about this game was that they actually went to Alvin Kamara so much but it was the like like I don't have an issue with how many times he threw to Alvin Kamara I have an issue with how many times he was unable to throw to everybody else the Saints had one tight end today one not including Taysom Hill because Jawan Johnson messed up his calf in the in the pregame which he had been dealing with a calf injury previously. It's not out of nowhere. He, he was on the injury report. I want to say it was going into the Panthers game. He was on the injury report with a calf issue. So it's not a completely out of left field injury. It's one that we've seen before. But, you know, when you get hurt right before the game means you don't have the option. Like if, he, if this injury had happened Friday, you could have potentially called up one of your practice squad tight ends, had an extra body. It happened right before the game. I watched him on the sideline with my spotter Tyler right next to me. And we're like, hmm, that's weird. He's during the national anthem, during the introductions, he's out there stretching his calf out. And like, hmm, that's not a good sign. And when you know it, doesn't play a snap in this game. Jimmy Graham, the only active tight end. You know how many targets Jimmy Graham, the great Jimmy Graham, got in this game? It's a round number, two round. It's a zero. How? 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 Do you go an entire game with one tight end, not throw the ball at him once? He threw, Derek Carr threw 37 times. He didn't target Jimmy Graham once. What? It just doesn't make sense. The offense doesn't make sense. And it's frustrating, and I get it. Uh, But again, like, you can point to play calling. (laughs) <laughs> and and I think there were there were issues. You know, one of the things I that I have a gripe about, and and we can continue on this. But you know, like every time you see the Saints throw a shot play on third and two, you hear like, oh, why are they doing that? Why are they doing that? And and I understand it, 
but that's like prime shot play territory. Like at the 50, you're getting a look. It's a tendency breaker, right? They're expecting you to convert the first down just to run it, to do whatever. And you're going to go deep. You're going to get a good look and you're going to attack it. Well, the problem is that works when they're not expecting it. When <laughs> most of the time you're going to run it, you're going to try to pick up the first down. You're going to run something at the sticks, something a high percentage, and you're going to probably execute it. Well, the problem is when you're only running tendency breakers, then that's your tendency. So it's not breaking anything. They're expecting it. They're sitting on it. And that's what has happened because it seems like every time the Saints get to midfield and end up in third and short, they're going deep. And and again, like I don't think just, you know, strategically that is a terrible idea generally speaking. But if you're doing that every time, <laughs> <laughs> then who are you fooling? They're actually going to be more fooled if you don't do it. Um, and I actually think in the second half, you know, one of the things that I was mildly encouraged by in this game was I thought in the second half, we saw some common sense adjustments from P. Carmichael, from the offense. Now, they didn't get in the end zone, but they extended drives. They ran the ball. They got first downs. You know, that's why I was so disappointed in the defense because people are telling, you know, usually the excuse I'll give you for a defense that folds late in the game is you left them on the field the whole game. That's not what happened today. The defense was on the field for five minutes in the first half before they allowed an 87, like five game minutes to be clear, before they allowed an 87-yard 17-play touchdown drive. They weren't gassed at that point. The Saints defense, I mean, the Saints offense had two extended drives in that second half to cut the lead to eight, right? Like they, the offense was anemic as it has been always over the last two years, but they did cut the lead to eight twice in the second half and they gave their defense a chance to go on the field and potentially get the ball back. Maybe, you know, maybe something happens. Put some game pressure on the Bucks, and you might have a chance to go down there, get a touchdown, get a two-point conversion. I don't know why you would expect that to happen, but you give yourself a chance for it. Well, both times, the defense went out. Six-play drive, I think 42 yards, a lot of field goals, so you're right back to 11 points. The offense goes down, kicks another field goal, gets it back to eight. Then I think you have a 10-play drive, 75 yards, touchdown. Like, both times, your your defense should have been reasonably rested. There was an extended drive, and they got on the field, and they folded immediately. And, you know, it was just a failure at every level. It was a failure of the players, right? Like, that's the thing. Like, you can point to the coaches – and you should. Like, the coaching staff has a, has a lot of the blame here. But the players are, are responsible for... These are professionals. they got to be better than this. Um, we're going to get to that in the, in the down segment. We don't have to get to more. But before, before we go, I do want to point to a couple positive things. And, and this rant is more just me just venting because I'm frustrated. I'm tired of watching this. And again, like, I, I do consider myself to be a reasonably judicial person, right? Like, I'm not... I'm not here trying to get emotional and be like, yeah, why? You know, I'm typically just trying to, to watch and figure out what's going wrong, what can go better. In this case, it's like, guys, get out of your own freaking way. Um, and, and so, like, to me, it's, it's not necessarily about the play calling in the game. It's about what's happening during the week because this team was not prepared to play today. This team got punched in the face over and over again and just said, please, give me another. And, like, what? Have some pride. Have some respect. Go out there and fight. Because I didn't see a team that was ready to fight today. I didn't see a team that had a plan today. It seemed like the only plan was, let's get Derek on the field and see what happens. And that was not a good plan. Um, but, you know, I, before we go, and then so that's the rant. My rant's over. 
I'll keep ranting, but but that's that's what I'm going to say for now. Um, I don't expect this team to make any changes right now. I expect them to look at things, <laughs> and we'll, we'll hear from we'll hear from Dennis Allen in the next segment. But you know, if if you if this team is serious about itself, it got a lot closer to to making some drastic decisions today. You know, I don't know how what, where you were going into this game. You got you you took a you took several long steps toward toward that you know emergency lever that you're gonna pull because man, uh, two and two, this does not feel like two and two. It feels like you're lucky to be two and two. Three good things that happened today. Let's let's call it that rather than stock up. Trevor Penning, you know, like I said, punching bag week one. I thought he was really solid last week. You know, even in a day that the protection did not do so hot, it wasn't Trevor who was getting beat, right? Like he allowed one pressure in that game. I know he had a holding penalty, but you know, I you know, if worst case scenario, if you're not letting your quarterback get teed off on, I'm okay with it. At least you're in a position to hold. You didn't get beat clean, right? And so he allowed one pressure. You know, the sacks were two. I think Ryan Ramchek allowed two. Uh, Eric McCoy allowed one, and Landon Young allowed one. And and I thought he looked solid that week. I thought he was solid today. I haven't obviously gotten to watch the tape, but I didn't really hear his name called all that much. And, you know, it's, I think Derek Carr only got sacked twice. One was late in the game trying to make something happen. It was, he held the ball way too long. And I I think we have seen Derek Carr hold the ball too long in a few instances. Um, And it's usually on third down in, in long yardage situations. But I thought, I think Trevor Penning for a guy who, you know, everyone was freaking out about in week one has, has just put his head down, worked, gotten better so you know in a in a situation where this team's not folding the team's not going to sell sell the superdome and fire everybody like you're hoping that you can get things turned around and so from the you need your left tackle you want your first round pick to be a solid left tackle and so what we've seen the last two weeks has been encouraging i'll give him that next thing alvin Kamara. Still Alvin Kamara, right? Like the the yardage wasn't to be desired. I think Devin Wayne had a lot to do with that. There was a several plays in this game that you got the ball to Alvin and and against a lot of people, he's putting his foot in the ground. He's making a miss. Devin White's is just a different dude. And, you know, he wasn't able to get any yardage on those checkdowns, on those the balls in his hand. But I think this offense is better when you give Alvin Kamara those opportunities. And even though the yardage wasn't huge, the drives in the second half, those were fueled by Alvin Kamara. Not necessarily huge gains, but first downs. And the difference between having Alvin Kamara and not having Alvin Kamara is the ability to get those hard first downs. So I think what we saw from him is encouraging. He, you know, I think he's still shaking the rust off a little bit. Um, but for this team, for this offense, to get things going in the right direction, Alvin Kamara has got to be a huge part of it. So you know, while 13 t- catches might be a little extreme, I like the idea that you're going to get Alvin the ball in space as much as possible. So I consider that a positive. And the last one I'll, I'll throw at you is Brian Brzee is legit, guys. Like Brian Brzee, of all the things that have happened this year, one of the true bright spots so far is Brian Brzee. I mean, he had a like Jadavian Clowney against Michigan level run stuff today. Uh, the only thing that stopped it from being a major highlight was the guy's helmet didn't pop off and he didn't force a fumble, but he just swallowed him, you know, and that was early in the game. And then, you know, the Saints, you know, I, I'm going to give their defense a lot of grief in this next segment, but, you know, after getting just effed over at the end of the first half, 
Um, <laughs> uh, we'll talk about Michael Burton in a second. I'm sorry, not Michael Burton. I wish they still had Michael Burton. We'll talk about Adam Prentice in a second. They came out to start the second half, force a three and out. Brian Brzee was the guy who got the sack, got, got Baker Mayfield to the ground, something that did not happen at all. Otherwise, he was running around all day, but it was Brian Brzee who got that sack. He is just, this kid is like, just, he's like a baby out there. Like he's just feeling his way around. He is learning on the fly and he's going to be very, very good. And so, you know, like those are the, those are the three nice things that I was able to pull out of this. I also thought Rashid Shahid had a solid day. There was a point where it was like, man, the only offense, they, the only chance they have to score a touchdown is Rashid running it back. And so, you know, there was one that I thought he was going to get there. He stumbled and, and didn't, but you know, that that's, that is, you know, it's sad when that's your best opportunity to score, but it felt like that. Um, and so that's it. You know, I'll, I'll give one more. Isaac Yadam, for a second consecutive game, thought played pretty well. He was getting targeted relentlessly. That interception should have been a massive momentum swing at the goal line. Now, it's, it's not as great as it could have been because it would be nice if you didn't allow an 80-yard drive to set up that interception at the goal line. I think he kind of got screwed over by the refs because come on, get, touchback. That's a touchback. Come on, that's always been a touchback. Like why all of a sudden has happened last week to the Bucks? Why all of a sudden are we pinning teams at the one for making a spectacular play? Get out of here. That is so freaking lame. That defenses are getting punished for making a great play at the goal line. Come on. What game are we playing here? Anyway, you know, like that he got beat by Trey Palmer, <laughs> you know, two plays later, right? <laughs> but I, I, he was in good position. He played it well. Like when you watch Isaac play, the catches that are made on him almost always are two inches of space maximum and he's right there. And that's what that Trey Palmer touchdown was. And again, it's like when you're defense and you get the, get a turnover and then all of a sudden you're back on the field at your goal line. Like, what the hell, what do I have to do? Uh, I think that was demoralizing. We want to talk about why the defense struggled in the second half. I think that's big demoralizing your defense in that way. Right before halftime, not a good way to encourage them to come out hot in the second half. But so I think Isaac played reasonably well. Um, But that's the last Reason that's the last accolade of any kind I'm going to hand out because I think everyone else is <laughs> is on the down list. Um, but all right, that was that was a long long segment, longer than I meant. But we're going to come back and get to the down players because there's several. Um, they're not all individual players. Some of them are duos. Some of them are just matchups. But we'll talk about it. This is Inside Black and Gold. I'm Jeff Noack. We're going through that travesty of a game. Bucks 26, Saints 9, insult to injury, the Saints defense's streak of, you know, 11 straight games holding teams to under 20 ended <laughs> in the uh, in the least ceremonious way possible. Uh, and even if they had held the Bucks to under 20 points, I th- they, they, they would have still lost for the second straight game. Um, so there's that. But this is Inside Black and Gold. I'm Jeff Nowak. We're going to come back. We're going to do the down, the stock downs. And then we're going to get into a mailbag to close out the show. If you haven't subscribed yet, please do that. Check us out on YouTube at WWL Sports. If you're not watching there, follow me on Twitter at Jeff underscore Noak. You can follow the show at Saints underscore pod. And you can see the latest content news analysis over at WWL.com. If you want to follow along with this podcast, there's a text version of it. 
not really, but there is a stock up, stock down post on WWL.com that has all of this information in it. So if you wanted to kind of follow along there as you're listening, go ahead. Otherwise, we will be right back. Keep it locked on Inside Life. 